Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Been There, Done That podcast. Episode number 23, your LeBron James episode. Uh, the greatest number 23 to ever play basketball. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, and I go by Ben. Um, we have, kind of like last week, a lot to get into. Seeing as we're here in the middle of October, uh, football in full swing, MLB playoffs in full swing, and NBA kicking off in a week. Um, so we have a lot to talk about, uh, and I'm excited to get into it. Now, here's what we're going to be talking about today. We, uh, as as usual, I'm going to give a little bit of recap of my weekend, but it was a little, a little bit slower, but something cool did happen um, that I want to share with you. I'm going to do a recap, a recap, recap, no, a recap of week six um, in the NFL, uh, where now no unbeatens remain. Yeah, so some big things to go over there. I'm going to give a few of the highlights of the week. Uh, I want to talk about the Chiefs and Broncos a little bit. It's been almost a week now since that game happened, but uh, there are still a few things I want to point out. Um, And then the MLB divisional round is wrapped up, and we're now underway with the championship series um, down to the final four in the MLB. So we'll talk about that. Um, And then I'll also give a couple of my NBA predictions, what I foresee happening this upcoming year in the association. Uh, And then, of course, to wrap it up, I will give you the office quote of the week. So stick around for that. Um, Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. First off, as as promised, I want to tell you what happened to me this weekend. Uh, In all honesty, it was not the most eventful weekend. Uh, I know the, the past few weeks, I feel like I've had some pretty good stories on either going on road trips or uh, dance parties or whatever it might, might be. Um, this past weekend was a little bit slower for me. We uh, settled down a little bit um, to, to the point where the highlight for me was finding that the fridge in my house, which I, I'm currently in my in this house I'm living in, I'm here. For, it's the third year I'm, I've lived here. And um, I found that the freezer uh, in my house it has an auto ice maker. And I had no idea. You know, I, I, I literally, I had no idea. And I just, it just kind of hit me um, recently that I was like, wait, is there ice in there? And I opened up my freezer door and lo and behold, there's the ice. <laughs> and so now I get to have ice water. <laughs> I've been drinking room temperature water for two and a half years. Um, so... Big day, um, big moment for me. I now get to have ice in my water, uh, so things are looking good here. Things are looking really good here. Um, and honestly, that was kind of the highlight of my weekend because the Chiefs didn't play. I, I guess I shouldn't say that. Missouri won again. They looked amazing against Kentucky after the first quarter. Um, very pumped up about Missouri. I think I'm going to give. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll give them a couple more weeks um, before I really dive into what's going on with them. But I, I do got to give a shout out. To the Tigers, um, who got down 14 nothing very early and um, found a way to bounce back and went on, I believe it was a 38-7 to run or something like that and ended up just kind of running Kentucky out the field the second, third, and fourth quarters of the game. Um, and then they put themselves now, they're 6-1, and one, so they're going bowling. Um, and they, they've honestly, they've got a handful of winnable games left. Um, so it, it could go a lot of different ways um, the, the rest of the year. But I'm excited to see the way how it goes. Um, so that was exciting. But beyond that, like I said, no chiefs over the weekend. Cause they played on Thursday, Thursday. So, um, for me, it was one of those, Oh, I, ha- I have ice. 
in my house. How fun, you know, so exciting stuff. Um, now, moving on to the NFL week six, um, a couple of the big things going on in the league. I think it's fair to say the uh, it was kind of highlighted by uh, the, the final two unbeaten teams uh, are unbeaten no more. And so we'll start with the Browns over the 49ers, um, 19 to 17. So low scoring game, not a whole lot of offense. Part of it is a, is a, one of those games in Cleveland. It was a kind of a rainy day. Uh, ball was a little slippery. Just one of those games, the offenses never really get it going. Um, and you know, for the Niners, they were also McCaffrey got hurt. Uh, Debo Samuel got hurt and you know, the, on the, on the Brown side, Deshaun Watson was still out and they were playing with PJ Walker. Um, their third string quarterback. So, um, yes, you're hearing that correctly. PJ Walker is the quarterback that came in and beat the undefeated 49ers who at that point had really had not much trouble beating anybody all year long. Um, and I, it just, honestly, I, I think big picture, it's a good reminder of the parody in the NFL. Um, if you don't bring your a game, you can lose to anybody. Now, the Browns, I will say, they, they statistically have been one of the best defenses in the NFL this year. Uh, they've looked really good, and they definitely had a good game plan for slowing down the Niners. Um, but I I will say Jim Schwartz, the, the defensive coordinator for Cleveland, actually does have a good track record, um, specifically against Kyle Shanahan, for whatever reason. Um, he, he typically has a good game plan against Kyle Shanahan offenses. He's one of the few guys um, in Kyle Shanahan's career that has been able to slow him down a little bit and slow, you know, kind of contain his offenses. And so um, obviously holding them to 17 points, uh, very good uh, showing from the Browns. Um, you know, San Francisco, San Francisco looked unbeatable the first month and a half of the season. Uh, and then they got beat by PJ Walker. You know, they looked unbeatable until they didn't. All right. And that's, that's the NFL. Um, it's, and it was really the first bad game you could say for Brock Purdy. Uh, the first time he's lost a game that he started and finished, uh, the first regular season loss of his career. Um, so, you know, he, yeah, he, it was a rough game for him, and, and it happens. I mean, even the best quarterbacks have bad games. You know, it happens. Um, and the thing about it is, he still basically had them in a position to win. Um, after all the struggles and all the just not being able to get things going all game long, they still had the ball um, down two there at the end of the game and after a rough first throw that almost got intercepted, uh, got another chance and then drove them down the field, got them in field goal range. Uh, and then Jake Moody, their rookie kicker missed the potential game winning kick. And that was it. So it, it, it's still true. A quarterback is only as good as his kicker, right? It's a tale as old as time in, in football and love it or hate it. That's just, the, that's just the nature of the game, right? You, you put so much reliance on the kicker, and um, it's working. What it's working great for the Chiefs right now, um, but you know, comes back to bite the 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 49ers, and uh, and and one of those like if if he makes the kick, Brock Purdy looks like a hero where he he's and, and you know have a rough day, but then you still lead your team back uh, and on the game winning drive, but he missed it, and so we we look at it and see oh Brock Purdy just didn't have enough to get it done today, um, and so fair or not, that's that's the nature of the game is. Once again, a quarterback is only as good as his kicker. Um, so Niners lose their first game. Uh, the other undefeated team, the Eagles, right? They they had not looked quite as dominant as the 49ers 
the the first five weeks of the season. Um, but hey, you know, they were winning, right? And what was interesting is like Jason Kelsey and, and a handful of the players were talking about how, you know, they were happy to be winning, but they knew they were not playing their full potential. Like they they, they recognized like they were not playing great, um, playing um, just not as as clean and as really as dominant as they had during when they started last year undefeated. So uh, it would kind of ask the question, you know, is it, are they um, going to continue to fall down to this? Cause eventually if, if you keep playing like this, eventually it's going to come back to bite you or, or, you know, or is it, are they going to uh, figure things out and uh, eventually get back to kind of the dominant team they had been for so much of last year. Uh, and that question was answered. They just continue to have, have struggles. Jalen Hurts really had a tough game through three interceptions. Um, and I think part of it, too, the Jets' defense is for real, you know? And and they just got to Jalen Hurts and made it very difficult for him, you know? And, again, I think, I think a lot of it is about the Jets' defense. Uh, but, again, we have seen the Eagles um, in the past, when they're clicking, they're hard to stop. But they they just did not have it in this game. It's another another one of those the case of you know it, it's the NFL um, and anything anything can happen if you don't have your A game you can lose. Um, but you know again they're playing Zach Wilson, so it's just it's one of those they're going to look back and be like man we really we lost to Zach Wilson. And I think you look at both these these, these teams that were undefeated, they lost to PJ Walker and Zach Wilson. The, like those are the quarterbacks that came in and, and beat the undefeated teams. Um, so again, just a, another example of how the NFL is so unpredictable and you just really never know uh, what, what's going to happen because you, you never know what, when a team's going to show up or when they're not going to show up or, you know, you never know what's going on, what, what the matchups are like. Um, it's crazy, you know, but that being said, I, uh, as you all know, I am a Chiefs fan, and I have to keep pointing back to the Chiefs here. Um, the The Chiefs went into New York a few weeks ago and beat the Jets. Uh, I believe it was twenty three to twenty. You know, it was about to be thirty to twenty, but Mahomes, you know, slid right before the goal line to let the clock run out. Um, and that, that game, they were also up seventeen to nothing and took their foot off the pedal, um, which we've seen time and again from the Chiefs. But um, all that to say. You know the Eagles go in there and lose twenty to fourteen. They just don't have it at all, uh, and get down. And I don't know if I'll say they get dominated, but they, it just looked like they never. It ne- didn't feel like they were really going to win. It never felt like they're going to win the game, at least in my opinion. You know. So that being said, I, I think when you go back a couple weeks and you talk about the Chiefs in their game against the Jets, and at, at our first reaction might may have been like, "Oh, that's kind of shaky, Chiefs." Uh, I don't know about that, you know, but, but then you turn around and, and see this game and how the Eagles go in in the same situation. They allow the same amount of points, um, but they only put up 14. So again, the, uh, may not be so much of a shaky performance by the chiefs as we thought, right? It was really more an instance of they got up, um, on a really good team. They got up early and then took their foot off the pedal. And then the jets were able to kind of stay in it more so than they were expecting. You know, uh, and to be fair, once again, Zach Wilson did have the best game of his career against the Chiefs, um, which he didn't against the Eagles, but he was good enough to win. And, and you got to tip your cap to him. You know, Zach Wilson, that's that's been the question for a couple of years now is that can he be good enough to not lose the game? 
And the Jets are playing, you know, relatively well right now because Zach Wilson is at right now playing well enough to not lose games for them. And so got to tip the cap. Uh, Jets are staying alive. And then uh, who knows with Aaron Rodgers, all the funky medicine or whatever type of therapeutic stuff he does to try to come back. Maybe, maybe he's going to try to make a comeback. Um, assume if, if this team's able to make a playoff push late, um, I would be shocked. It's probably not a great idea for a guy who's about to turn 40, um, but it's Aaron Rodgers, So you, you never know. I'm curious to see where, what his, uh, his process is, but I mean, he, he had surgery on his torn Achilles just over a month ago and he's already walking and, and throwing the ball around. Um, which is pretty impressive to be honest. Um, but there's still a long way to go before we get there. Jets still have to be afloat and, and make the playoffs probably for that to even be a potential reality. But uh, I am interested to see where Aaron Rodgers takes this. Um, but a little side side note there. The other, I think big game a notable game of the week was the bills beating the giants uh, 14 to nine. So another just a barn burner. I felt it kind of felt like I was watching a Big Ten game, right? The uh, here's where what I want to go with this. The right now, I think there's a pretty common narrative. Well, there's several narratives when it comes to the Chiefs, but there there's a this narrative that Mahomes can really only throw to Kelsey. I've heard people say like without Kelsey, he'd be lost. Um, he'd have no one to throw to. And I would say, just go back and watch that Lions game without when he didn't have Kelsey, you know, and it really just came down to receivers dropping passes. I mean, he was putting the ball right where he needed to. He would have had 300 plus yards, several multiple touchdowns, no, maybe one interception. Um, And and they would have won the game if the receivers would catch the ball. So this narrative that Mahomes has to rely on Kelsey, um, I mean, on one hand, it's true to a sense that like, I'm not sure he has the trust in the other receivers, um, but it, it it's not because he's not good enough, right? I think there's part of the narrative right now going is like he's not good enough without Travis Kelsey, which isn't the case at all. It's it's more so are the the supporting targets, the, the supporting pass catchers and receivers around Kelsey good enough, which that is what still remains to be seen. Um, but so all that being said, you know, there's that narrative with Mahomes needing Kelsey, but I think the reality is. Um, what no one's really talking about is how reliant Josh Allen is on Stefan Diggs, right? And, and rightfully so. Stefan Diggs is an outstanding receiver, a top 10 for sure. I mean, you know, a fringe top five receiver in the league. Um, and I, I was just kind of c- looking at some of the numbers. I was crunching the numbers a little bit and, and I saw so Mahomes to Kelsey, you know, take out the first game without Kelsey. Uh, if you take that game out, Mahomes, um, 27% of his completions this year are to Travis Kelsey. Okay. So about one in every four, um, I'd have to check the numbers again, but if you, if you do include the first game without Kelsey, it's probably close to 20% of his completions are to Travis Kelsey this season. Um, on the flip side, uh, Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs, uh, 33% of his completions are to Stefan Diggs this season. Okay. So, Everybody loves talking about how Mahomes is so reliant on Travis Kelsey and has to, you know, he can only throw to Travis Kelsey, whatever it might be. But the reality is that Josh Allen's more more reliant on Stephon Diggs, where where one third of his passes go to Stephon Diggs, 
you know? Um, and, and so I think this, this game was another good example of that where Josh Allen had 169 passing yards in the game and a hundred of them went to Stefan Diggs. So, I mean, I don't know the math on that right off the top of my head, but I'm trying to do it. If what's the common denominator, 50, 70, probably close to what? 70% something like, that. I mean, that's probably pretty close. Um, just the, my quick mental math there, um, about probably 70% of the yards are going to digs, you know? And so again, I'll have to say, you know, Kel- Kelsey missed a game and it, it showed because the, the rest of the team didn't really step up and make the catches when they needed to. And so I think that the question you got to ask about the, the bills here is if, if something happens to Stefan Diggs, right? He's also, he's not exactly a spring chicken either. Um, he's, I think he's pretty close to 30. He's probably pretty close to that age. Um, if if he gets hurt, what do the Bills do then? All right, right? They, I mean, Gabe Davis turns into your number one receiver, and then you got a couple decent tight ends. Nothing, I mean, nothing, no one really to write home about. Um, right? The, you kind of see what I'm getting at here is I think the Bills are more dependent on their star receiver than the Chiefs are on their star tight end. Um, but again, it kind of goes back to just the narrative that people want to find reasons for the chiefs to, to lose. Uh, they they want to do the mental gymnastics to think of reasons why um, the chiefs should be not as good as they are. Or the chiefs are in more trouble than they are, you know, but I think it's the bills who probably have some questions to answer. Right. Um, anyway, that being said, the, the other big thing that happened in this game, obviously, if you were watching the, the end of the game, with the some of the penalties or lack of penalties um, on the final play, right? The the Bills, there was a pass interference on the last play of the game that gave the the Giants an untimed down, and so it led to another play where uh, Tyrod Taylor, by the way, their backup quarterback, uh, threw the ball to Darren Waller, their tight end, who was just getting held. I mean, I'm not even sure the right descriptive word to use, but. He was very clearly getting held. His jersey, you could see it being pulled, um, clearly held him, uh, held, like prevented him from being able to elevate and try to make a play on the ball. I mean, it, it doesn't get more much more obvious than, than what it was, um, but it, it wasn't called. Right? And so the, the Bills escaped with a win. Um, now, I know what I've been saying a lot recently is, is there's more to the games than the officiating, which there is, um, but... I guess my my thing here is that if this were the Chiefs, if the Chiefs were would have gotten away with um, that missed holding call, I think the internet may have shut down of every single person on the internet outside of Kansas City, you know, whining, you know, tweeting, commenting on Instagram, putting on TikTok, whatever it might be about how the NFL's rigged and they want the Chiefs to win uh, and they're helping out Mahomes, they need their golden boy to keep winning they have to save him whatever it might be i mean you see all that stuff all the time but my 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 thought process here is because of the way people react when the chiefs have calls go their way you know even when they're the right calls i should say um but people get mad when referees call things that favor the chiefs even when they're the right calls um and so my 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 thought here was those people, if you're really going to get upset when the Chiefs have calls, you know, go their way, you should be up in arms about this, right? 
Uh, you know, it, it makes me ask the question, why are you not up in arms that the, the Bills got away with a, got away with that hold, which gave them the, the win? And the Giants didn't have a chance, um, you know, to, to put the ball in the end zone. And, you know, all that to say the, I think people, once again, it goes back to the narrative around the Chiefs that um, they are more focused on the Chiefs and they are mad that the the Chiefs are just better than their team every year. They're tired of watching the Arrowhead Invitational um, every single year um, to for the right to go play in the Super Bowl. They're tired of seeing that. They're t- tired of seeing the Chiefs win all the time. And they are looking for any other reason as to why the Chiefs shouldn't win or whatnot. And so obviously the referees is an easy thing to turn to. Um, but it's it's just, yeah, it's disappointing to see because it, it, it's one thing, you know, the reality is if, if you are really upset about the officiating, the way, like the way the Chiefs get help with, you know, or if you, if you think the Chiefs are getting help from officiating, you should, they sh- you should be up in arms about the way the Bills won this game. Um, but I just didn't see that, you know, I, I, I definitely, I, I got on social media a little bit after the game just to kind of see, and there were people who were like, they were saying, yeah, it was a hold. It, it should have been, a hold. There, I saw some of that, but it, there's just, there wasn't the same energy. Like, you know, when, whenever the chiefs have a call, go their way and you get on, you get on social media after and people are livid. People are posting memes about, you know, the refs wearing chiefs jerseys or, or all, all the, all the obnoxious stuff about it. Where in this one, it was just like, uh, Bills may have gotten away with one, um, even though this was far more egregious than anything that has helped the Chiefs in recent memory. <laughs> All right, and I, and I will die on that hill um, because the majority of the time, times when people are up in arms by the things that happened with the Chiefs games, that like they're the right calls. Only a, f- a few times can I think in my mind of like the Chiefs may have benefited from a missed call there. Um, I think last week with Legarius Sneed taking the helmet off, or maybe three years ago was it. In uh, the Chiefs Patriots game with a couple weird calls in that one, again a regular season game that probably didn't even mean mean that much anyway. Uh, point is, people continue. I mean, it's very clear what's happening. People don't actually have any concern about the officiating. They have concern about Chiefs winning and continuing to win and being in position to host another AFC Championship game, aka the Arrowhead Invitational. Uh, and people are mad about the Chiefs rather than they are the officiating. And I think that's becoming very apparent as you see plays like this that that help the Bills win, but no one's really that upset about it, you know. And a few other notes on the officiating. I know this is turning into a weekly thing, talking about um, the officiating. Is it is it good? Is it not? I mean, there's for sure issues with the officiating. Don't get me wrong. Um, but very rarely do you see it. Like, can you actually point at a game and say the referees really did change the outcome of the game. You know, um, it, it's just not as as big of an issue as people want to make it out to be whenever the Chiefs have officials call things their way, um, which, believe it or not, is not is not actually as common as you might think. Okay, I, I, I went and looked this up. These are all legitimate statistics. You can go look any of these one, any of these statistics up. Um, right now, as of today, the Chiefs have the seventh most penalties against them in the entire NFL. Okay, uh, and uh, some of the teams ahead of them have had their bye week already, so they they have. Um, wait, don't have that backwards. That's on the point. The penalties against I got ahead of myself, but right now the Chiefs have the seventh most penalties against them. Um, right, so they're being penalized a lot. 
And what I was meaning to say is they have the second least penalties for them, meaning the teams they're playing have the second least penalties called on them. All right, so that right now the Chiefs have one of the widest margins or differentials of penalties going against them versus penalties going against the teams that they're playing. Okay, uh, and what I was getting at is when you look at like the penalty yards, they, again, they are uh, the penalty yards that have helped the Chiefs that you, that have gone against the other teams. Uh, they're second in the league, only behind I believe it was the Buccaneers, who again have already had their bye, which that was the stat I was looking at. Um, so my main thing, but what I'm getting at here is the chiefs are one of the most penalized teams in the league and the teams that they're playing are pretty consistently not flagged very much at all, you know? And so again, there's the narrative that people keep falling into that are, that are just, they're consumed by it because of the, you know, they, they think the chiefs are getting helped out. And something else I see is people talking about, it's like, uh, it's not about the totality of the penalties. It's about the timing of them. Um, and this is a conversation we've had multiple times. It's like, why would you stop calling penalties at the end of the, like, do rules not apply in the last two minutes of the game? Is that, you know, uh, I'm trying to think that one, there was a game recently, it may have been a chiefs game that I remember thinking this, where there was a play at the end of the game, uh, where there was a pretty Blatant. I mean, I guess you could you could probably point at the Bills game, but there was another one where there was like a blatant missed call that it should have been called late in the game, um, and and it was kind of of a reminder of like, is this really what you want? You want the refs to miss the call at the end of the game just because it's the end of the game, right? I think you you set a dangerous precedent when you do that, um, and 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 I don't want that. I want the refs to make the call if that if it's the right call, you make the call, right? And that's that's what that we should, I, I don't know. That's, I feel like that's the standard we should be holding the referees to is like, if, if it's, if it's the right call to make, you should make it. And I, that's what they're doing in all honesty, right? They're not perfect. None of nobody's perfect. Um, but they're, they're making they're because they're throwing their flag later in the game. People are mad at the chiefs about it, even though it's the right call. So I don't know. I feel like I've talked way too much about the officiating, but it's just something that keeps coming up every week. Uh, and I'm sure it's not the last time I'll talk about it and how the Chiefs are kind of on the the receiving end of this narrative of how they're just being benefited by the officials and how Roger Goodell is telling them that they need to keep the Chiefs in first place and they need to keep having the Airhead Invitational, the, the AFC Championship at Airhead. Which, if you think about it, wh- why would Roger Goodell up in his you know, up in his office in New York want Kansas City of all places to be the one to host the AFC championship game every year? Why would he want this small market team to be the one dominating the NFL? That doesn't make any sense. If he's going to do that, it's going to be the Chargers who, you know, who just moved to LA. It's going to be the Rams in this new stadium in LA. It's going to be the the Raiders in their new stadium, right? It's going to be the Jets or the Giants. It's going to be, um, a big market, maybe Dallas. It's going to be a big market team that's going to generate tons and tons of money. Um, it's not going to be a mid-market team in the middle of the country, right? It doesn't make any sense. People just, you know, we're just not thinking. We're, we're not thinking at all. We're just watching a TikTok about how the refs are favoring the Chiefs and then believing it. So let's be better, people. Let's be better, okay? 
Let's do it. Let's be better. Um, enough about the penalties for today. Enough about the officiating. Um, a few notes I did want to mention on the Chiefs versus Broncos game. Um, in all honesty, this was maybe the least exciting game I've ever watched in the Patrick Mahomes era. Like, exciting in terms, like, not just, like, exciting, like, in a good way, but also, like, frustrating in a bad way. Like, truly, I, I felt no emotion in this game at any point. At no point was I, like, yes, let's go. Or I was, like, oh, what are we doing? You know, like, I didn't have any of that. I felt nothing the whole game. No excitement, no frustrations. I sat there, watched my TV with a, I, basically with a blank stare, a blank face the whole game. Outside of when Butker hit from sixty plus, I got kind of pumped for that. Um, as a former kicker, I always feel you know I always get I get pumped up for the kickers. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, it was just boring, uh, and it's kind of what we come to expect a little bit on Thursday night football games, like which the NFL. I know they love having as many nights of the week as they can, but the Thursday night football is a, is a problem. Like teams are not prepared. Uh, guys are getting injured. The, the percent, like I, I heard this somewhere else this week. I, I'd got to check the numbers on it, but the injuries on Thursday night are higher than any other game of the week. Um, just with the, the short rest time and not being as prepared and, and all of that Thursday nights are just not going well for the NFL. Like the games are typically not very good. The teams aren't prepared. It's somehow a lot of bad teams end up playing each other on it. It's just not going well. Uh, and I, I know it's not going anywhere just because their deal with Amazon and all the money involved. Um, but Thursday nights just aren't working out well for the NFL. Right. I mean, I personally, I enjoy watching football. Like I'll always turn the game on because I'm, I'm going to watch if there's an NFL game on, I'm going to watch it. That's just who I am. I love watching Football, I love watching the NFL and fantasy implications, all of that. Um, but in terms of the quality game, it's just Thursday nights aren't great. Um, but that was a little side tangent. Again, I felt nothing watching this game. Uh, at no point did, you know, the, the Chiefs didn't do anything all game to wow me. At You know, there was nothing like, oh my gosh, how, that was amazing. Great play, you know. And on the flip side, I was not at one, not at any moment this whole game was I ever worried um, that the Chiefs were going to lose, right? I mean, they're playing the Broncos. They don't lose to the Broncos. They haven't lost to the Broncos since Peyton Manning was the quarterback. Obama was president. The Royals were world, were about to be World Series champs. Um, I saw a fun list of uh, different things, like since the last time the, uh, the Broncos beat the Chiefs. Of uh, I don't have the list in front of me. I should have taking a screenshot of it, but it was just a bunch of funny stuff. Like the song, I think hello by Adele. I, th- I don't think that song existed yet. Um, just a whole bunch of funny stuff of, you know, all the crazy, I mean, how long it's really been since the chiefs have beat the Broncos and it has been a long time. And so maybe, uh, the, the chiefs play the Broncos next week. And so maybe I'll pull out, I'll, I'll, I'll find that list uh, and I'll, and I'll share some of those things with you. Um, because yeah, the Broncos are just in disarray. They are kind of the laughing stock of the league right now, and not really an end in sight unless they decide to pay, you know, to just buy out Russell Wilson's contract. You know, pay the I, I want to say it's in the ballpark of eighty million and and dead cap money if they cut Russell Wilson. So have fun paying that as you search for a new quarterback. But what a disaster in Denver. Um, but that's enough talk about Denver. They've already talked about them too much because you know, I talked about them at all. Um, so 
something I did want to talk about back to the Chiefs is the narrative about how bad the Chiefs offense has been. You see this pattern, this theme I have of, of the narratives against the Chiefs. It's really a media thing. The media is tired of not only are fans tired of seeing the Chiefs win, but the media is tired of seeing the Chiefs win. And so, again, there, there's been a narrative going around about how bad the Chiefs offense has been. And it's true, but by typical Chiefs standards, yes, they have not been as good as they normally are. They're still figuring things out. Um, and there's a few different reasons for that. Um, I think a big part of it is the Chiefs are playing um, an extended preseason right now. In all honesty, they you see right now their their issues are a lot of in the red zone or on second, third, fourth down and short, like when they have one or two yards to go and they get in these situations where really you just hand the ball to Isaiah Pacheco. He's going to get you a yard. He's going to get you two yards. You're going to get the first down. Um, but the Chiefs, you know, Andy Reid loves to go into his bag of tricks and do things like make Kadarius Tony the quarterback for the play or send up our punter to try a tush push. Like j- just ridiculous things that they're, you know, the Chiefs do in their their laboratory time during practice that, you know, when they do it in practice against the practice squad, it probably turns out great. Um, but when you do it against a real NFL team um, or you even do it against the Broncos, it just it doesn't work. Right. I mean, what like we really think getting our punter in there is going to help much. He's not exactly Jalen Hurts. Right. Um, and I, I think we've seen this in the past that Andy Reid loves to experiment with this stuff early on in the year when he knows it's not going to cost you the game. Like you're not going to lose the Broncos um, because you try this trick play. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, but as the season goes on, we're going to continue to see. I think that she's settle in a little bit and just because they know who they have at quarterback. Uh, and they know Isaiah Pacheco has been a great runner uh, and he's a great power runner. And if the Chiefs really, if, if it's like the season's on the line and the Chiefs need to get a yard, they're not going to be doing a tush push with their punter. They're not going to have Kadarius Tony running a wildcat. It's gonna, The ball's going to be in the hands of number 15. Um, and whether that is some type of option, maybe with Pacheco, um, but we don't need to worry about that. Okay. To give you a little bit of context on what's going on. Uh, with their offense right now um get, even with all their struggles the chiefs are fourth in yards per game and they're they're within 20 yards of being second in yards per game yeah the dolphins are way ahead they may not catch them this season um especially after what they did to denver um but the chiefs are fourth in yards per game they're second in pass yards per game even with all the struggles they've had in the passing game they're second in pass yards per game and then they are ninth in points per game okay so, the I mean, and a couple of the teams ahead of them have had a ton of defensive touchdowns as well. I mean, I shouldn't say a ton, but they've had a couple of defensive touchdowns that are helping that average. And so, all that to say, the Chiefs are still, at worst, a top 10 offense. Um, and realistically, they're a top 5 offense. Who uh, They've had a couple of games. They've just taken their foot off the gas pedal this year. They've had a game without Travis Kelsey. You name it. I mean, water's going to find its level. This offense is going to be fine. You know, they're they're going to be fine. Um, they yeah, they're still top five offense, fourth in yards, second in yard pass yards, ninth in points, and I expect that to, that number continue to rise, especially coming up this, this week against the Chargers, who are one of the worst pass defenses in the league, um, who have some good pass rushers, um, but Mahomes also takes le- less sacks than anyone else in the NFL, and I don't really expect that to be too much of an issue. Um, and I think I just I kind of think the Chiefs are going to pick apart that defense this week, and I'm excited for it. So 
Um, I mean, the thing is, we do know what the thing that really the the thing that stood out about the Chiefs this year is their defense, um, which is sixth in total yards and second in points allowed per game, which is outstanding. You're right. Um, and so they currently have a fringe top five offense and statistically and a top five defense for sure statistically uh on defense and so that like even though it the eye test it's not the same chiefs we're used to seeing putting up 400 yards a game putting up 35 points a game it's it's a little out of character out of the norm um there's a reason the chiefs are still five and one you know part of it they haven't had the hardest schedule so far um, but they're winning the games they're supposed to. And they had that one flu game at the beginning of the year. Their one Kadarius Tony dropped pass away from being undefeated. Um, and so if you are worried about the Chiefs, please stop. You should not be worried. They're going to be fine. Um, that Their offense is going to continue to get better and work their way into a top five, probably a top three offense in the league. The defense is also only going to keep getting better because the corners right now have been the best cornerback duo in the league statistically so far um the the linebacking group is has been a top three linebacking group i mean in the league so far and the d line um i will say has had a little bit of an issue getting pressure the last couple weeks um, but they're also getting back charles amenihu this week his six game suspension is over and he's a guy that um had a really good year last year with san francisco and so now that they're getting him back um adding him to the mix i think that's, that's only going to help their their pass rush is only going to get better and we saw that last year their pass rush got better every single week um and it's not like it's been bad chris jones has a sack in eight straight games um which is very much flying under the radar like that's amazing but they're just going to keep getting better and they're going to be a top five offense and defense and that's that fact is very much flying under the radar right now and um which is good which is good. Uh, let the NFL, you know, they're going to be all excited about the Dolphins and, and the Niners and surely the Cowboys like always. But the Chiefs somehow are going to continue to fly under the radar, even as defending Super Bowl champs. Um, get the one seat again, go back to the AFC Championship, go back to the Super Bowl, and we'll see what happens. So um, barring any injuries, of course, um, things are things are looking great for the Chiefs. So no need to be worried. Um and the reality is the Chiefs could be, I mean, they could be in a better position. They could have the division wrapped up by Halloween, right? Last year, it was one of those, they beat the Chargers, like, right around Thanksgiving. Um, and, which, not statistically, but basically wrapped up, had the division wrapped up by Thanksgiving. Um, the Chiefs right now, they play the the Chargers, who are, I believe, they're 2-3. and three, and And then they play the Broncos again the following week. Right, so if they win both of those, they like they're undefeated in the division, undefeated in conference. Um, Chargers would be sitting at two and four. I mean, the this very well the division could be wrapped up by Halloween, you know, which uh, would be kind of hilarious. Um, but also what we expected. So, last thing I'll say: if you are worried about the Chiefs, you shouldn't be. They're going to be fine. All right. Moving on to the MLB postseason. The divisional round in the MLB has wrapped up this past week. The Astros beat the Twins in four. The Rangers swept the Orioles. Uh, the Phillies beat the Braves in four. And the D-backs, the Diamondbacks, swept the Dodgers. Um, 
And so our NLCS right now, we've got the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. The Phillies, as right right now, as I'm speaking on Wednesday, the Phillies, uh, as of last night, went up two games to nothing. Um, right now, their stars seem to be pretty locked in. Uh, Schwarber is on a tear. Harper's looking good. Castellanos is looking great. Um, Trey Turner's looking great. They are just kind of smoking the baseball right now. Uh, and they seem to be on a bit of a revenge tour after getting so close last year. Um, and so obviously being up two games to nothing, um, the, the the series is headed back to Arizona. And so you never know. Sometimes a, a scene, a shift in the scenery can make a difference and give the, the Diamondbacks a little bit of a boost. Um, but as of right now, the games haven't been all that competitive and it feels like the Phillies are kind of on their way back to the World Series, and they very well could be back uh, by this time next week. Uh, so that's kind of what your NLCS is looking like right now. Uh, in the American League, we have the Rangers, who are up 2 to nothing in their series. They still have not lost a game in this postseason. Uh, kind of a reminder of the Royals back in 2014 of getting to the World Series without losing a game. What a run that was. Uh, so, the, again, Rangers are up 2-0. Their pitching's been lights out. They've allowed four total runs in the first two games of the series. Um, and it's crazy because they're doing that without Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. Uh, so, the, the you know, their secondary guys have been very good. And so, uh, Scherzer may also be coming back towards the end of the series, which would be huge for them. And so, again, the, the Rangers may only be getting better. You know? And so... They're up 2 nothing, and they won both of those games on the road. They won in Houston. So they're headed back to Arlington now, up 2-0, with another sweep in their sights. And so, um, if I don't know about you, right now I, I look at the Rangers as America's team. Because nobody likes the Astros. Why would you? They're cheaters. Uh, and the Rangers, you know, they, they're going to continue to be America's team. And uh, we'll call them the sanitation workers. The trash men. Until the sweep is complete. They're going to continue to take the trash out until the trash cans have been emptied um, and return to their correct location. So let's go Rangers. Let's go finish the sweep and get a little bit of rest before the World Series begins. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's uh, what's going on in the MLB right now. Uh, we are closing in on the World Series, which is always a fun time, of course. Um, and then lastly... Moving on to the NBA, which is beginning uh, tip-off, is next Tuesday. The regular season is about to begin, less than a week away. Um, just want to give a few of my predictions on how, you know, some things I expect this season. Um, first one, I I know the NBA is, is hoping to do something about some of the load management stuff. And so, I hopefully, we don't see as much of that. As, I mean, it really. I, I talked about this a little bit in the spring. It's kind of ruining the league. It's making things just kind of just less fun for the fans. Um, you know, we, I talked about the situation last year. You, you, we buy a, tickets over a month in advance, and then we find out the day before that the stars aren't going to be playing. You know, and that that's just not fair to the fans. You know, and and, and I get injuries happen, um, but. There's the data is telling us that load management is not helping. There, there's more players getting injured right now in the NBA more more so than ever, and so we're we're, we're seeing in front of us load management is not helping. Uh, and so what what we I, again I'm not a doctor I don't know what the answer is but I know one of the answers that it's not and that's load management. So 
my number one wish for the NBA this season is that the star players would play unless they're actually legitimately injured. They were going to play, you know, that's what I hope to see. Uh, except LeBron, because he's getting old. He needs some rest. Uh, for the NBA finals, I, um, in the East, I think this is a two horse race between the Bucks and the Celtics. Um, the Bucks obviously adding Damian Lillard a couple weeks ago. So now to have Damian Lillard and Giannis on the same team, I think they're going like the Celtics are going to be very, very good. Um, adding Drew Holiday uh, and Kristaps Porzingis is going. They're going to be improved, but I still just I don't think they're going to be able to quite keep up with the Bucks. I like the Bucks uh, and the Nuggets again to play in the NBA Finals. The way the way the Nuggets kind of just casually dominated the the playoffs last year. Um, I mean, Jokic is right now the best player in the league. Uh, and if, if Jamal Murray can play anywhere near what he did last year, they're going to be hard to beat. Uh, that being said, I do expect the Bucks to win in the NBA Finals against the Nuggets. Uh, and I, I think Dame joining the Bucks is going to add an element um, to their team that they've never had, that Giannis has never had on a team. And uh, I, I expect Giannis is going to break out. I mean, I think he's going to be MVP. And I guess you could look at that as my next prediction. I, I think the addition of Dame is going to just open up so much for him where if like you're going to have to account for, for Damian Lillard on offense and it's just going to open up things for Giannis that he's never had before. Um, and so I fully expect Giannis, uh, assuming he stays healthy to be a, a front runner for the MVP and kind of run away with that award this year. Um, and then again, for, for the bucks to beat the nuggets in the finals, um, which would be fun. It'd be fun to see the two best players in the league currently, uh, Giannis and Jokic, uh, to go head to head against each other in the finals. Uh, that would be a fun, it'd be a fun series to watch. And, and I, right now, barring injuries, I expect that's what we're going to see. Um, rookie of the year. I'm expecting, um, you may be a little surprised by this. I do not think Victor Wimbayama is going to be the rookie of the year. Um, he obviously has more potential than maybe any NBA prospect we've seen since LeBron James, uh, just given his size and athleticism and skills uh, or potential skills that we've seen in, in clips on the internet and stuff. Um, but I still think he's such a raw prospect. He, he's not quite as developed um, as you may want him to be for his first year. I mean, he's 19 years old, you know, um, I, I think Scoot Henderson the third overall pick of the Trailblazers, and now uh, starting point guard. Now that Dame's gone, I think he's going to have a huge year. Uh, it's one of those things, like kind of the way Paolo Banquero last year. Um, just no one really paid attention because he played for the Magic, um, but he quietly had a really good year uh, as a rookie and kind of ran away with Rookie of the Year. I expect the same thing from Scoot Henderson this year, in that. Um, no one's going to pay any attention to the Blazers because they're not going to be good. But statistically, he's going to have a great year um, by rookie standards. Uh, and you know, I think his numbers are going to be, especially offensively, significantly better uh, than Wimby. And so I think Scoot Henderson's going to be your NBA Rookie of the Year. Um, and uh, yeah, Defensive Player of the Year. I think Anthony Davis, after the momentum he got in last year's postseason, where if there was a defensive player of the postseason award given out, I think he would have won it. He he was phenomenal defensively in, in every game the, the entire postseason. Um, 
And I, I'm again, you always got to wonder about injuries with Anthony Davis. Uh, so assuming, I mean, all, everything I'm talking about, of course, is assuming in without injuries. But um, if he keeps that up and ke- keeps that mentality uh, that he had in the postseason, and he keeps that this season, I think he is going to be your defensive player of the year. Um, so uh, you mark that down. Uh, Anthony Davis. I think honestly, I do think Victor Wimbayama is also going to be in consideration for it. Um, he may not be the most developed offensive prospect yet. He's still very raw with, with his offensive skill set. Um, but defensively, I mean, he's seven three and he's athletic and he can jump. And he's, I mean, his wingspan is like eight feet long. Uh, I think he is going to be a, a kind of a force defensively. Uh, and so. Anthony Davis, your your DPOY, uh, and Wimby is going to be an honorable mention for that award. And then the last thing that I expect to happen in the NBA this year that I think is notable is um, LeBron James is going to continue to break the scoring record every single time he plays. Um, And I feel very strongly about that. Every time he takes the court this season, he's just going to continue. I mean, every night he goes out, he's going to break the scoring record. And so something that no player has ever done before, the way that he's going to do this season, it's going to be... Uh, crazy to watch. So, that being said, uh, it is now time for the office quote of the week. Okay, and this one, I know I said I was done with officiating, but this one kind of is is um, with the officiating thing in mind from the NFL. Uh, and coming from Andy Bernard, he says, "Andy Bernard does not lose contests; he wins them, or he quits them because they're unfair." And I think that's kind of where we're at with uh, NFL fans they uh they're just quitting it feels like they're quitting on you know using their brains at all and they've just decided it's uh the Chiefs have an unfair advantage uh, and whatnot so that uh that's what made me think of this quote and I think it applies really well so once again I I, I challenge you NFL fans non-Chiefs fans let's let's start using our brains it's time okay let's do it all right what do you say um, and that's all we have time for today. Um, thank you as always for tuning in. Um, I appreciate those of you listening. Um, it's a fun time right now with three, you know, the three important American sports going on. Um, and so again, let me know, um, what you think. Let me know what your thoughts are on, um, the stuff I'm saying. Am I just, do I just have the red shades on for the chiefs? Am I biased? Am I missing something? I don't know. Let me know. Um, I'd love to talk about it. Obviously, that's why I do a podcast, because I like talking about it. Um, But once again, thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed. um, And uh, I'll see you next time. So until then, as always, go Chiefs.